0: How might our physical environment facilitate our ability to communicate with angels? What is it like to have heaven open up inside of us? We explore the causes of inner peace right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock, Jonathan Rose.
1: Hey there. Hey, Jonathan. Do come in. Nice to see you both.
0: Thank you so much for having us yet again. And what we get to do here time after time is hear from you in your editing work, doing editing Swedenborg's longest volumed work, Secrets of Heaven. Mm. Uh, And we come here and you give us this sort of tasting menu or like flight of gems that we get to appreciate you know the flavors of and get a get a taste of of the new translation and these little kernels of wisdom and insight that you just find in the nooks and crannies of Swedenborg's works and so Secrets of Heaven is this biblical exegesis of the books of Genesis and Exodus and and yet the actual material covers so much more than that. You know, there's just like so much in there. So you never know what you're going to find. So what do you have for us this week?
1: Well, I've got some passages, three passages from Secrets of Heaven, Volume 4, that have to do with how heaven opens to us. I've been very interested in the fact that Swedenborg went through this big, change in his mid-50s and heaven opened up to him. And I've been interested to see in his works where he gives you little hints maybe about how that works or what the what the mechanism is. Mm-hmm. This first passage, 2896, is about the earliest church. He says that there have been five great religious eras in our world and in the earliest one there was no written revelation or at least not at first um, but there was a connection with heaven and he says some things uh, that surprised me about exactly what the basis of that was. There's a fairly long passage so I'll I'll right. read this to you now I'll get
0: comfy I'll pull up a blanket. Good,
1: good, good idea. Ready. You all set? Good. (laughs) The earliest church, which came before the flood, did not have a written word, but one revealed to all who were in the church. I'll hit pause and say that interested me right there because I didn't know if maybe it was just certain people had dreams or you had certain prophets or shamans or something like that. But this says all, Mm -hmm. like everybody Uh, had these revelations. He goes on, they were heavenly people, so they had a perception of goodness and truth, as do the angels with whom they also interacted. As a result, they had the word written on their hearts. Mm -hmm. Because they were heavenly and interacted with angels, everything they saw or sensed in any other way represented and symbolized the heavenly and spiritual qualities of the Lord's kingdom to them. They did see worldly and earthly objects with their eyes or perceive them with their other senses, but these were the starting point and means for thoughts about heavenly and spiritual subjects. And then he says, this ability and no other enabled them to talk with angels. Oh, wow. Wow. So, it seems as though, if I read back a little bit, that they see worldly and earthly objects, but they think about heavenly and spiritual things, and this ability and no other enabled them to talk with angels, Yes. because what exists with angels is heavenly and spiritual. And when it is communicated to people, it is expressed in the kinds of images that are familiar to us in our world. Everything in the world represents and symbolizes something in the heavens as has already been shown from Genesis 1 up to here. (laughs) (laughs) So, i.e., that's the whole project of Secrets of Heaven, you know. Everything has some, some symbolism, but that's the end of that passage.
0: Wow. Gosh, there's so much in there. I just love that, to think about how that is what enables them to talk with angels. And I'm thinking about dreams that we have, uh, you know, the how people talk about experiencing synchronicity in their lives and how they sense the presence of loved ones so often has to do with you know just the way you feel and what you see when you're out in nature, you know, or a little bit of the natural world appearing near you suddenly, you know, or something. and uh, that that is very cool.
2: In the last time. We visited you. You led with a quote where Swedenborg was talking about truth and good, and he said that, well, this subject is pretty hard for us to tackle because it's unfamiliar, these spiritual things. Mm -hmm. Sounds like to the earliest people, they had a way of making spiritual things familiar because all the stuff that was familiar to them, the very concrete objects around them and plants and animals and birds and everything were the way they use those to directly understand spiritual stuff. So they could hang with the angels because it's sort of like if you, if you studied a language in, a little bit in school and you go to the country and you can't quite speak it, but you can hear what's going on.
1: It's suddenly making me think of that whole idea of, um, uh, people in his time used to talk about there's the, there's the book, you know, there's sacred scripture, but there's also the book of nature. In mm-hmm. a way, this is about the book of nature, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's about things around you, including other people, and birds and animals, trees and what have you, just anything in this world can be, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it says... That can be a revelation. It was a revelation to those earliest people. Everything that you, you wake up in the morning, oh, you see a bird and you realize, oh, of course, right. And um, so you're kind of walking through a world of of meaning and, and depth. I I just love that idea.
0: Yeah, and just the same with how we were saying, I think it was that same previous week that way that our desire for truth affects the truth we we receive that you just think about like having an intention this i just find this number so encouraging for how it's like if your desire if you have a desire to lift your mind towards spiritual truths and heavenly things you know thinking about spiritual life and and you know living a life of neighborly kindness and you know showing up with love in your life and being useful having that purpose then it's like yes look for support like it just sort of suggests that angels are all around us wanting to support us and we can actually start to feel that support through just paying attention to our natural environment um and kind of receiving messages and support through that
2: right yeah i'm going to connect it to another previous episode this is if you're a long-term fan of the show you really benefit (laughs) Yes <laughs> We in I think it was two episodes ago. Oh, only history will judge me on this, but you, Jonathan, brought us this quote about how the name of Jesus and, and Jesus being the only way to heaven is actually the oh, universal. Yeah truth yes. because Jesus, the character of Jesus, is actually this character of loving the neighbor in yes. the way that Jesus embodied. So people who have never heard that name or anything Christian can still be loving Jesus. And that we were all oohing and aahing about how, how fair and how, how satisfying that is that if, that if that's the point of life, if Jesus is the way of life, that of course it's got to be something that's accessible everywhere. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way about the world around you being the revelation, intended to be the revelation.
1: For right, sure. right now, sure, we've yeah. got these
2: books, and and they do us just fine, but it is a little weird that that you got to go somewhere so particular for it. Uh, it's much more idyllic sounding that you just look out your window or inside your window. Everything around yeah. you is speaking to you
1: of of the truth. Yeah, it's so much more universal, as you say. It's not well, we have a better revelation than you have or something. I know, it, it, like our mountains are better than your mountains.
0: Where, <laughs> this is where
1: we all live, you know? Or,
2: or even all... to say, well, like, stop stop going and playing those video games. Go, go read your Bible. That there are these two separate... There's the stuff that's got spiritual content and the stuff that doesn't. Yeah. But the idea of, oh, yeah, everything you see, if you've got the right... if If your mind's been... Straightened out by God. Everything is the Bible. Everything is the revelation.
0: Yeah. I love that mm. so much. And I guess one little thought I'd want to tack onto this before going to the next passage is just this sense of how when I watch, you know, documentaries and history research stuff that goes into that and speculates, but is like studying the behaviors of prehistoric peoples, like the most Uh, I guess, ancient humans that have been on the planet and like, what was their society like? You know, how did they bury their dead? All this kind of stuff. There are just things about it that what Swedenborg describes of these most ancient peoples, just like these parallels just pop to mind so readily for me that I just, it's just interesting to wonder about, you know, who's to say, but I just find it very fascinating.
1: And I wonder if we're going to come back into something more of that that state at some point in the future.
0: I think we're hungry for it, you know. Yeah.
1: If we desire it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, if if you're looking for it, just think about the the soil and the minds of those those people must have been amazing. Mm-hmm. R- referencing that right. other show. <laughs> yes. So uh, the next passage is thirty one seventy, and it. Um, deals with another aspect of how we open to heaven, and that has to do with uh, when evil and falsity, uh, when our relationship to them changes and Mm -hmm. when goodness and truth kick in in a different way. So uh, he just begins with this premise that kind of blows my mind that at some point the earthly self adopts spiritual qualities. Now, right here, he doesn't say exactly how that happens, Hmm. but let's just assume that, okay, the earthly self is able to adopt spiritual qualities. So, he says, when the earthly self adopts spiritual qualities, Hmm. everything produced by evil cravings and false convictions, and so everything that disquiets us Hmm. goes away. Everything involved in a desire for what is good and true. And so everything that creates peace approaches. All disquiet is the result of evil and falsity, while all peace is the result of goodness and truth. Now, just as kind of a diagnostic, like that's helpful to me because sometimes it's really hard to tell is this a, a good love that I'm feeling or is it, is it bad? Is it, or am I, you know, how am I doing here? And uh, is this true? Is that not true? Is it somewhat true? And uh, the disquiet factor as a diagnostic tool uh, versus peace uh, is helpful.
0: Yes.
1: It's like the doctor, do I
2: have any evil and falsity? Well, have you been experiencing any disquiet in your life? <laughs> I <know. laughs> and I love I've I've heard that statement by Swedenborg. It could be in this number, it could be a parallel one, and I do really love the power of sure everything all the wires are crossed and things are entwined with each other and good things that we want can be tied up with other stuff, but that you can untangle this this um, what are those, those little follow the string? Like if everybody at a birthday party has their own string that's kind of weaving in and out of everyone else's <laughs> yes. and you try to roll it up, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Eventually, right. you can get it sorted out <laughs> and all the disquiet in your life was tied by a string to evil and falsity and all of the peace was was goodness and truth. It's relaxing too because you'll, you'll always get into these worries about like, well, do I really have to worry about this? Ultimately, no, because... Disquiet's all connected to evil and falsity so it's really where are you going to find a statement like that anywhere
0: well <laughs> it's funny you say that because the first thing that came to my mind was like these are this is one of those passages where swedenborg just sounds like such a yogi um because oh, yeah. it's reflect so reflected in like yogic scriptures and there's actually this sutra that just like popped to mind i didn't even know i had it memorized it just came to mind so fast but it goes like um chitti vritta narodaha. So it's uh, it's part of Patanjali's yoga sutras. And it's about how like uh, the stilling of the mind, you know, like when you still the mind, then peace comes. And and even though it's like, there's ways to interpret that, to think it's like, oh, it's all about, you know, don't do anything. But I feel like it's saying the same thing that Swedenborg's saying of like, it's that the the sort of, noise and interference of evil and falsity is what disquiets the mind, you know, creates a choppy sea. And then when that stills, of course, there's peace because then everything, you know, from it's goodness and truth that brings peace. Um, and so how do you adopt spiritual qualities into the earthly self? You know, like that's the big question, right? And it's like, right? it's, you know, that the... Yoga tradition would be like, you would practice yoga, you know, do do spiritual practices, do these sorts of, um, you know, things that really do awaken your spiritual mind. And anyway, I just think Swedenborg partners so well with that in bringing the, uh, yeah, that basis of love that we've been talking about, how that's ultimately what allows us to adopt these spiritual qualities into our earthly self. Hmm.
1: And this third and final passage has to do with a scripture that talks about the gate of our enemies or foes and that we will possess, you know, if we're in a good condition, we will possess the gate of our foes. Um, Mm. So Swedenborg says in section 2851, subsection 14, Wow, 14. These passages show what the gate of one's foes symbolizes. Hell or hellish beings who constantly attack what is good and true. Their seat in us, as noted, is in our earthly mind. When our character is such that we let goodness and truth in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and therefore let angels in, the lord drives hellish spirits away from that seat and once they're gone the gate to heaven opens or in other words heaven opens
0: nice i'm still on this yoga kick in my mind thinking about <laughs> <laughs> thinking about that's the that's the power of meditation you know like the and the value of it is quieting the mind in that way or even becoming aware of the disruption that those you know enemies in the gate are wanting to bring on and having awareness of that then you're able to uh you know not identify with it and and have that other gate open inside of you
2: it doesn't say you've got these enemies in your earthly mind and what you've got to do is really get ready and Go for it and go fight him and get him out of there. It's Right. Yeah. Just about getting it so that you invite angels in. And the angels, by their presence, clear things up. Mm-hmm. That seems that seems manageable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point and very interesting that he equates goodness and truth with angels, like if we're open to one, we're open to the other. Yep. So, if we let goodness and truth in, or we let, you know, meaning we let angels in, then the Lord, and so it's interesting that we could let angels in, then the Lord drives away the hellish spirits, and then the gate to heaven opens. So, angels were there before the gate to heaven opened, Hmm. but then once the, the bad guys were driven away, then the gate to heaven opens, and then he explains, or in other words, heaven opens. So, it's succinct, you know, I'd like to Mm -hmm. know a lot more about that. But it does give you kind of a basic geometry of this gets closer, you know, this number goes up, that number goes down. And and that's what enables us to be in that condition where that gate of heaven opens.
0: Oh, I love it so much. It's just totally something you could continue to ponder or like draw a picture and then think about it, you know, every day and see how it relates to your life or in different parts of your life. Like, I just feel like there's so much in there. It's so compact. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. This has been uh, quite an experience of heaven, heaven opening in my own mind. <laughs> so...
2: Yeah. Thanks for bringing the heat.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> I think I, I need a cup of tea. Anyone like one?
0: Oh, yes, please. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, Consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.comslash donate. And thank you for listening.